RadioInfluence.com. The future is now. You are in the trenches with former Buccaneers offensive lineman Ian Beckles on Radio Influence. Hello, everybody. This is Ian Beckles, and welcome back to In the Trenches. I appreciate you guys listening in every week. Football season is right around the corner, just a little less than 100 days. Um, but uh, football does not rest, that is for sure. Now, uh, with this podcast, I usually talk a little bit of X's and O's and talk Buccaneer talk, but I thought I'd use this episode to do kind of a special edition. I have a good friend of mine here, Mr. William Frankie. How you doing, brother? Good. How you doing, Ian? Life is good. You're looking dapper as normal. Thanks, man. I try. I, I do like the Beckles and Reacher shirt. I <laughs> you, need to get me one of those. I will get you one for <laughs> sure. Uh, you try. Come on. Come on. Yeah, you. Uh, do, you do you dress like this at home? Uh yeah, I mean, yes. when I get home from work <laughs> yeah. and then I change into, into another suit. shorts and a t-shirt. Good for, good, for, <laughs> good, for, good for you. So I brought William Frankie here. I, I've done some podcasts with uh, William before. He's been on the Beckles and Retro show, uh, Ron and Ian show, actually, back in the day. Uh, one of the fine lawyers in this area. And uh, I brought him on because of this topic that I'm going to bring up here. And uh, I'm not all that versed in it, okay? I live it. I'm part of the concussion um, uh situation in the NFL because I've taken the test before, but there's some new things coming up and they're uncovering that I guess the NFL was race norming in the concussion settlements with the players. Now explain to the normal person out there and myself what race race norming is. Sure. So it's actually, and it's kind of blew my mind because this whole thing started with a discussion, really a, a kind of, a conversation just with you and I that, that was, I don't want to say it was a no nothing conversation, mm-hmm. but wasn't one that expected to kind of get into this deeper topic. Sure. Right. And on, on a basic level, the thing I found out that I was really surprised by is race norming is actually an accepted practice within the mental health, not mental health, but uh, in the cognitive mm-hmm. community, the cognitive medical community. So it's okay. not necessarily an NFL thing. It's actually a cognitive medical community thing. Really? Explain what it is exactly. So the, the and this is a, a paraphrasing of the de- definition and the thought process of it is, is that a, a black person will have uh, less cognitive abilities mm-hmm. than a white person. Okay. Okay. Uh, I, I don't know if it breaks down any deeper than, than those as like an A and a B, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because f- at least for the NFL purposes, we're just talking white players and black players. So that's just mm-hmm. how that's kind of worked out. But the idea behind it is that if a black person takes a test, their cognitive abilities are less than the white person, which I mean, it's and, and look, I, I want to make ultra clear that this is not my opinion. Of course not. This course is not. You know, yeah. my research and, and what Correct. what is termed as race norming. And the idea behind it of, like I said, once again, not not my words, but mm-hmm. other people's words, that it's to prevent clinicians from over diagnosing and over-pathologizing cognitive impairment in black people. So to break that down in layman's terms, uh, when I walked in there to do my cognitive test, they assumed that I was less intelligent than the previous white guy. Correct. Okay. That's how that works. That's how that works, which is, when you put it that way, sounds way worse than the way you put it. You made it sound smart. <laughs> I made it sound more, you know what I'm saying? You know right. what I mean? Um, listen, I've taken, I've I've said this before, I got 30-something on the Wonderlick test, which is pretty good. 
Um, I've always been good at IQ tests. I've always been able to figure things out. Uh, never got good grades. I wasn't really a school guy, but I was always been good on cognitive tests. I've done this this concussion cognitive tests. I want to say four or five times to where I could maybe I'll write it out for you. You know what I mean? So, and my thing is, I don't think I deserve to get concussion money. I don't because. I'm not all effed up, all right? right? So I'm on the radio every day. When I get effed up, everybody's going to know. They'll be like, yeah, me and <laughs> effed up. You know what I mean? He's on air every day. But the thing is, if I have to be really, really dumbed down for me to get this cognitive money, you know, the NFL is 70% black, 70. Right. So did you f- find out if the money that was doled out, more white players were getting the concussion settlements in the black? Well, I, I mean... You'd have to really do a deep dive on, sure. on the analysis of the ratios of the amount of white players involved, mm-hmm. the amount of black players involved. But this came to light actually from a couple of lawsuits from black players. Okay, uh, The lawsuits actually were ultimately dismissed, mm-hmm. but but something happened with the U.S. judge who was overseeing it that never happens, really. They said they wanted a study done mm-hmm. to determine if this is what's going on and, and to dive oh. into a little bit more yeah. of, of the root causes and root sure. details of it. So I think Najee Davenport was one of the players uh, that they were talking about. Now, as a former player who has been evaluated for concussions, I mean, what do what can I do? I mean, at this point, if I feel like I've been wrong, then from your description of what I went through, I've been wrong. What can I do to this point? So, I mean, kind of the first off, and, and as you know, and the reason why I've been on your show before is previously I was an NFL agent. That's correct. And, you know, the, the official, I guess, NFL PA stance would be, hey, get with your agent and have them work you through the process. Okay. Right? But from a legal legal side of things, you know, I would say, hey, get tested again because the NFL is now saying that's going to be removed. Right. And, yeah. and you know, look, we all... I don't want to say we all love bashing on the NFL, but mm-hmm. the NFL is generally really easy target to bash on. Mm-hmm. They usually do some pretty dumb things. Sure they do. I'm not sure that they're necessarily blame for this particular part, right? Really? Um, because I, I, I think it's one of these situations where the NFL hires a third-party company mm-hmm. to employ this test, and this test is employed using this race norming across the board, mm-hmm. right? And this company does it the same way. Now, look, could it be that the NFL knew exactly what was going on and mm-hmm. and they green-lighted it? Sure, right? I'm just not sure necessarily 100% that this particular piece is all on the NFL. No, I, okay, this is the thing, okay? The NFL is just a logo, all right? It, it consists of 32 billionaires, all right? Go after one billionaire's money, see what happens. True. Okay? Well, cut your freaking eyeballs out, right? <laughs> 32 billionaires aren't giving you their darn money. Okay? I'm just right. telling you. So, this is where I am. I love when I hear people in the media say, well, that doctor would never put him back on the field if he was injured. Bullshit. Right. All right? Because I'm going to tell you this. If you're a doctor, you work for the Buccaneers or whoever, and you are always holding back the players, you know what's going to happen? Be fired. Yeah, you're not gonna have a job. Period. So, if you're a third party business that are doing these concussion settlements and you keep on doling out money, you think they're gonna retain that company? See, that's the thing for me. The the NFL owners, when it's all said and done, don't want to give us the money. They 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 allotted a billion dollars to give to the players, and they don't want to give us the money that is sitting there for us. It's crazy. And you, you're scaring me because you're making me think that everywhere I go in this world, I'm being evaluated that way. I mean, 
it, some truth to that? I mean, personally, I don't think so. Okay. I, I mean, look, you, you played in Philly. I grew up uh, in South Jersey. Yeah. And, you know, so I, I'd say I've been in Florida long enough and I've been to some areas of Florida mm-hmm. that even to this day at 38 years old, I find eye opening. Um, sure. I was down in um, Highlands County a couple mm-hmm. months ago and it was, I was like, wow, this, this stuff still exists today. And you hear about it, but it's not like till you get there and go, oh, sure. oh, this is what it looks like. Right. So uh, me personally, I, I don't, I don't see that. And mm. I don't know if anybody really necessarily getting outside of this cognitive therapy type or this cognitive medical side of things necessarily thinks that way. Mm. Um, but you know, one of the things that, that we had talked about when we were having our conversation when we, that started this whole thing mm. was I didn't necessarily understand the interplay mm. of the fact that, that the cognitive level starts lower for black players than mm. it does for white players, yeah. right? Because at first glance, you just go, oh, well, then that must make it easier to get the money, but it's actually, and I think it's important for the people listening to know that it actually has the exact opposite effect Correct. because there's a correlation between where you start Correct. and, and where you end yeah. up on the test. And if you start lower, but you're smarter, mm. basically than your lower starting point, Correct. there's no money for you. I don't know about you guys, but comfort is the most important thing to me. If you see how I dress every day, I don't wear a lot of suits. I wear shorts and t-shirts and comfort is at a premium for me. And your underwear is obviously very important as well. This is Ian Beckles here for my people at Tebow Bodywear. I've been wearing Tebow underwear here for a few months now. And myself, very much like hundreds of thousands of men out there, are finding out that it's by far the most comfortable underwear I've ever worn. And they're actually developed and tested by 400,000 men. So they really created a community of people who like to wear underwear, obviously, and they're making adjustments here and there. And they really come up with this fabulous product that just something that is comfortable to wear 24 seven. I just don't wear any underwear, any other underwear anymore. Um, definitely hooked. If you want to get part of this revolution, you could get 20% off your next purchase at tbobodywear.com. Once again, the letter T B O bodywear.com. And by using the discount code trenches, you can get 20% off. Once again, T B O bodywear.com. Use the discount code trenches. You get 20% off. I guarantee you won't be disappointed. These jokers are comfortable. The thing is, they never really, I don't know what they're comparing it to. You see what I'm saying? So if I, I just told you I got 30 something on the Wonderlick test. So if I go and take the Wonderlick test now and get 22, that tells you that I've fallen a long way. But if they believed I should have got a 10 to begin with, then I'm not getting that damn money. Right. You see what I'm saying? So to me, this is backwards. Um, and the NFL is kind of acting like this is not a big deal. It's when I read up on it, it's, it's, it's a big deal. And, I mean, it's blatantly racist. It's disgusting, and I, I just don't know what's going to happen. I think they're going to try to sweep it, and people are going to go around it. But as a former player, I'm I'm trying to let people know. You know, I mean, this is disgusting. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and you know, I, I think, and you take these tests, right? You take these tests that are generally made for the general public, mm-hmm. right? These cognitive ability tests are made for the masses. Correct. But in the NFL, you deal with something, actually, that you don't deal with in any other sport. Right, and I don't. I don't think there's anything you may have considered. And I can see by the look in okay, your face. You're, 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 you're wondering where I'm going with this. I don't know. I have no idea what you're going to say. How many other employers out there that across the board, 
everybody that's an employee has three years of college. I, I agree with what you said. You know what's funny you say that? I've said this my whole life. When most people talk about dumb athletes in their head, they're thinking of who? Football players. And, and basketball players, which yeah. are the predominantly black sports. Now, this is the irony of it. Those are the most educated athletes in the world. It's true. Hockey players don't go to school. Golfers don't go to school. Tennis players don't go to school. Nobody goes. Baseball players don't go to school. And this is another funny thing. Those are the only two sports you have to go to school. Right. They're making you go to school. Baseball to an extent. Baseball depends, right? If you go well, to a four-year school, you're there for three years. Okay, but you can get drafted when you're 14 years old out of the Dominican Republic. Right. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, there you, are some differences. You can't do that in the NFL. <laughs> right. and you can't do it in the NBA anymore. Right. So they have, there's rich people, and they're Caucasian, telling uh, black players, because I don't know if there's been a white one come out of high school without... Can't think of one off the top of my head. I can't think of one either. Okay, so there's not many of them. They're telling that black kid from the hood, you have to go to school for a whole year, and your parents have to struggle for another year. That's un-American. That's un-American. And for, and for people who don't know much about football, and listen, football players, people, you said it, they're, they're the dumb athletes, and you didn't, it's not come out of your mouth, that's right. just the way it is. Right. When you go in an NFL locker room, I think people will be shocked. You'd be shocked. People playing chess, people reading the Wall Street Journal, people talking about, you know, uh, uh, things that are going on in this world. There's a lot of very educated people. I had Martin Mayhew in here the other day. He's the uh, GM now from the Washington football team. One of the smartest dudes I've ever, you know, ever met, you know. People don't know that that's in locker rooms. There's There's a lot of brilliant people in the locker room. And the problem is you see these movies, nobody ever depicts a football player as being smart. No. It's Ever. just such a stereotype. And look, I played D1 baseball for a year and a half at Western Carolina. We had yep. a football team, right? Yep. Unlike when I came down to Tampa where there's no football team. Mm-hmm. Well, we had mandatory study hall and we had all the athletes at the school were in the same study hall. So mm-hmm. you know, we had we saw a lot of the football players because sure. obviously we all had to be in there together. Yeah. And they were not the dumbest ones mm-hmm. in the room. That, that's what I'm saying. I, I had teammates who yeah. were who were actually uh, fit that bill. So Understandable. Well, <laughs> Um, listen, um, I appreciate you coming in to talk about this because I don't think this is something I can talk about myself. Now, where do you think this goes? I mean, as we go forward, now that they were caught, okay, they're uncovered, where do the players go from here? I mean, did the players, the players that have been screwed in the past, did they get a kickback? And what do you think happens from all this? So let's just kind of take a step back to go with, with how this started. It's, this was a class action lawsuit, which means that there was just more than one plaintiff, right? Okay. And it's similar circumstances, right? So that's how you end up with a class action. It's a class action with hundreds of members, mm-hmm. all right? There's actually, no, excuse me, thousands of members. Thousands, there's yeah. 20,000 plus members in this class action. Wow. There was a single lump sum settlement. And as of today or as of a couple of days ago, um, there's actually a tracker Really? Um, yeah, there's actually a tracker for the NFL um, class action settlement. As of today, it lists $156 million awarded as part of the concussion settlement. Really? So there's actually been a lot of money put out there. Uh, so, it, you know, it's one of these things you look at it in a pure numbers perspective and you mm-hmm. go, well, how did how did the NFL do wrong if, if someone's paying out $856 million? Mm-hmm. But then you look at it on the flip side of it, and if you're one of those players who was affected by this race norming, well, that 856 isn't enough. It's not enough type you're, of thing. I mean, right. from a legal perspective, it it's a tough call from a legal perspective, and it's it's one of those things that if I'm if someone were walking my walking my door with a case like that, mm-hmm. I always look at it from both sides. Okay. I go, hey, you know what? I think you have a case because. 
this shouldn't have been happening. There's no reason for it to have been happening mm-hmm. because you guys were all similarly situated. You're all were NFL players. Mm-hmm. You all went to at least three years of college. So therefore, you guys should share in, in a lot of similarities sure. where the race norm, the, the concept behind it is saying that um, black people as a whole mm-hmm. have less opportunity for education, are not you know in their primary years as well educated as okay. their white counterpart. That's where that comes from. Sure. Mm-hmm. And, and and from some levels, I guess you could understand it that you don't want to overdiagnose people in mm-hmm. a clinical setting. Correct. But it doesn't fit the NFL setting, right? It, it certainly does not. Yeah. It certainly does not. And I, and, I, and I'll let you finish. In the regular world, that may pertain. Right. Okay, if you take 100 black people randomly off the street and 100 white, I think you're going to be right in that situation. That's that's evolution, okay? But if you take 100 football players, it's, it's scrap it. Or take 100 black doctors, scrap it. You see what I'm saying? So to me, you know, the economic part of it is is life, okay? Right. Listen, South Tampa doesn't have a lot of black people here. But it's not. Like, I lived in Culberth Isles for 20 years. I was the only black person there. Hmm. And people are like, well, why don't you move in a black neighborhood? I go, do you know a nice one? Do you? <laughs> I don't. Do you know. know a nice black neighborhood in Tampa? Not that I can Okay, no, of. don't think about it. There's none of, they don't <laughs> exist. Yeah, there's only a few good black neighborhoods in this country. Like Atlanta being one, is because there's a lot of black people. Yeah. But it's, it's, I always thought that this may be happening. But now that it's uncovered, I think it tells a lot. It tells a lot about our society. I think it tells a lot about people definitely wealthy people of what they think about us and uh, it's scary you know you hear all this stuff about the royal family and uh, all this racist stuff is coming up yeah because there's no black people around them right ever yeah that's not working for them (laughs) so you know when you talk about 32 billionaires again billionaires just don't have a lot of exposure to color in the unfortunate way no, and most of them are pretty cheap. That's generally how oh, they yeah, got they there. Oh, yeah, they are. Yeah, they are. <laughs> they really are cheap. No doubt about it. Well, William, I appreciate you, brother. And if anybody uh, needs your service, how to get in touch with you? They just call me 855-LAW-FATHER or 813-104-LAW. Uh, best ways, uh, call or text. And uh, check out our social media. Anything at the Law Father, you'll find us. Good stuff. William's good at what he does, and uh, he has a podcast as well. Uh, you guys should check that out. But I thank everybody for listening in. It's been a little different in the trenches. We weren't getting too technical. We'll get back to X's and O's next week. But I want to thank William Frankie once again, and uh, make sure you're listening to all the other podcasts as well, and Beckles and Retro Monday through Friday, 3 to 7. Appreciate you guys listening in. Have a wonderful week, and please be safe. Peace out. You have been in the trenches. With Ian Beckles on Radio Influence. This is an MMA report with Jason Floyd and Daniel Galvan. Quick fix on Radio Influence. You brought an interesting topic to me to, to bring up here. Of course, talk about the dark side of the ring. Great, great show that uh, you, you watch on uh, Vice, isn't it? It's Vice, right? Yeah, it's Vice. It's a Vice documentary, and then they also spinned it off this upcoming, this past, this current year with the Dark Side of Football. So it's a documentary style series that Vice is starting to milk for all it's worth because the pro wrestling documentaries that started off with one on Bruiser Brody, uh, they've really taken off. You know, there's been one on Chris Benoit this year. There's one on Brian Pillman, one on a hardcore wrestler named Nick Gage, and. For those that are fans of pro wrestling and even those that aren't, that documentary has really been quite popular. And it 
you know, it's only a matter of time, I think, until we get a dark side of mixed martial arts. Yeah, I mean, I was just going to call it dark side of the cage. And when you brought this yeah. up, and I, I initially, so I started thinking about, man, what would be the like the stories? The first one that immediately came to my mind was the end of the Bjorn Rebney era in Bellator and transitioning over to Scott Coker. Look, I will tell you, throughout the years, have I heard stories? Yes, I've heard stories. And I, but it's also like when I think of these stories, like I don't want it told, like like the end of the Bjorn era, beginning of the Scott Coker era, I don't want it be, it be told by Viacom. I want it to be told by somebody independent. It's like, you know, if there was a, you know, a UFC documentary, it's on ESPN plus, I just know it's going to be a UFC spin to the story. So, my number one was the yeah, Bjorn Rebney and Scott Coker. The MMA Report with Jason Floyd and Daniel Galvan can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts, and RadioInfluence.com.